Welcome back to Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. Chuck was just explaining to me how much he loves technology. Huh, Chuck? <laughs> Fucking shit. So, yeah, and here's the technology. I'm on my phone instead of my computer. And Pam's giving me a hard time about the camera angle and how I look bad. Well, this is it. This is what you get this week. I didn't okay? say so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everyone who has the misfortune of looking at me right now. Sorry, this is what you get. It looks fine. I didn't I didn't like it in the other position. I landscape is much better. You didn't like the other position. I didn't. <laughs> I'm very particular about positioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. As soon as how we're going down this crude path already, why don't we start with a very crude movie? Let's do that. Let's start with, what are we talking about? The adults or strays? I think we're talking about strays. I didn't see the adults. Is the adults crude? No, it's not. I was just joking. Okay. Okay. I think you like strays a little bit more than I do. Which I'm kind of surprised. You know, um, this is a movie that I didn't know much about all I knew was dogs you say the word dogs and I'm hooked but that is not what everybody should be thinking because this is definitely a movie that appeals to a certain type of humor and it mm-hmm. is absolutely not a children's movie not 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 so not by any stretch no not not even close um I loved we were on we were so happy to be on CBS 58 out of Milwaukee this morning where we reviewed it live on the morning show there which was fantastic and I loved your description of the four dogs in this Chuck I want you to do this review and then I'll add my two cents if that's okay well all four dogs are you know, the, the trick to the film is, and we do this as people, the pet owners do this, we project certain hum, human qualities on our dogs or cats or whatever. And they do that a little bit here. But really, they, they do give some character background to all of these dogs. Uh, Reggie, uh, the one voiced by Will Ferrell, uh, is in a toxic relationship with his owner, Doug, but he thinks everything's his fault. Uh, you've got uh, Bug, voiced by Jamie Foxx, he has low self-esteem because his owner abandoned him, basically. Uh, Maggie, voiced by Isla Fisher, she's feeling down about herself because she's being replaced by a younger, prettier dog. And then Milton, gosh, he never got over the fact that he you know, was supposed to be a police dog and he didn't quite make it. So you have all these damaged souls, basically. These dogs are all suffering from low self-esteem and... They, they need to get that back somehow. They need to realize that it's not their fault, especially Reggie. Uh, and they set out on this trek because Reggie has been dumped in, it looks like Atlanta to me, uh, by his owner, Doug, uh, played by Will Forte, uh, thinking there's no way this dog is going to find its way home because it's three hours away. But he gets the help of these other three dogs and off they go because they're going to bite off. And I'm glad I can say it, they're going to bite off Doug's dick. And they're gonna, <laughs> just going to bite it off. Actually, Reggie is. But the other three are going to help. I think they're going to get a vicarious, uh, uh, a sense of vicarious satisfaction by witnessing this. Um, you know what the problem is with this movie? I, I got bored with it. Did you really? I, I, I wasn't bothered by the crudity of it. Okay. Although they do go too far. On at least two occasions, they go too far. Uh, it didn't bother me. It's just a one joke movie. And and I was like, come on, we got we, you got to give me something more here than just this 
oh gosh, isn't it funny seeing a dog say fuck? I, I, I need a bit more than that. And they try, but then they don't develop it enough. There's two good jokes in the movie. Okay. The one joke is the narrator dog. Yes. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Josh Gad as the narrator dog, I thought was funny as hell. And I like the fact that uh, Milton wears the cone of shame and it's kind of like a comfort thing for him. Right. You know, it's like his security blanket. I thought that was clever. I mean, the other stuff was okay. I mean, I didn't hate it, didn't love it. It was just kind of kind of there. Now, I apologize for the background noise that you might be hearing right now. I'm having a new air conditioning and furnace unit put into my home because it's just so much fun to replace major um, systems in your home. So that's going on right now. Um, you know, I, I think I got a little bit more out of this story than you did. I found it to be, if you could get past, past the, I mean, it is base level crudeness. It is mm -hmm. raunchy to the raunchiness degree to the 10th degree, nth degree. And they, they embraced it and they ran with it and they didn't hedge their bets on this one. They just went for it. So I've got to give them some credit for that because sometimes, a film is wishy-washy with how far to go. No, they, they weren't wishy-washy at all. That's not my style of humor, although I did laugh out loud. Yes, the Josh Gad part of this story was <laughs> thick, demented and very funny. Um, mm -hmm. and, but I really liked the, the characters of who they were. And I, I didn't hear the F-bombs after a while. They became background noise to me. Um, some of the, the crudeness, the sexual stuff, I didn't find funny. The three guys sitting next to me thought it was hilarious. I didn't care for it. It just wasn't my style. But I liked the story. I liked the story of how these four friends became quick friends because they were in similar situations. And like you said, they all had a background story. They all had something going on in their lives that they needed to get over and they helped one another. I thought that was sweet. And you know, I'm very partial to an Aussie and Maggie is an Aussie. Don't roll your eyes at me, Chuck Koplinski. And my daughter, Kelsey's dog looks just like that dog. Um, I, I, I found it funny how they did weave together the story of Hunter played by Randall Park, the great dame with the cone of shame and how he ran into an old, an old buddy in the training academy. And you know when they bonded together and, and how they were interacting together, I really felt like these were actors, that these weren't dogs anymore. And I was also, I think maybe another reason why I appreciated it a little bit more is I know what it what it takes to train a dog to do tricks. And I've trained- But, but how much of that was CGI? I don't think a lot of it was. I think, mm. I, well, I mean, the mouth moving, mm. obviously that was. Um, but as far as like capturing, I read a little bit about how they did film it. And they did have a trainer on board, obviously, to teach them how to do some of the raunchy stuff. Um, but as far as like the nuanced stuff of their eyes going down and I that one look that Maggie the Aussie gives, that's an Aussie look. I see that all the time. So, I mean, capturing those moments and having those four dogs together at the same time and doing these different things. They said that the, the, the soundstage or wherever they were, everything was extremely quiet while they were filming because they had to capture certain moments and them doing certain things. So I think I'm sure there was CGI in there. Of course there was, you know, an eagle or a hawk isn't going to grasp a dog and fly away. I'm sure that was green screen CGI. 
but it felt like it was actually happening. So cinematically, I thought it was kind of cool what they did and, and what it takes to get, you know, it's like herding cats. It's really difficult to train four different breeds of dogs, all different sizes to interact the way that they did. And I felt like they were actually talking to each other, which was kind of fun escapism. I know they weren't really talking, Chuck. Are you sure? Are you sure you didn't? I am that? pretty okay, darn sure. <laughs> I guess my my problem is I, I thought that it was kind of like the whole film was kind of like Reggie trying to please the wrong master. You know, elevate this stuff. Don't try to just please you know the crudity the you know the teenagers in the audience. Right. You know they're trying to please the wrong master here. Uh, I wanted a little bit more because I saw glimmers of more, and right. I wish they you know concentrated on that stuff a little bit more. Well, and, and I think, and I texted you on my way home, um, I wish they wouldn't have gone to such a base level because they would have expanded their audience and still had a really good story yeah. and a cool film for more people to see. Because this is I not- will say one, I will say one thing about Japan, Powell. You are incredibly consistent. With what? If the film has dogs, dogs, <laughs> or kids being adopted, it gets a positive review, no matter what. No matter what. <laughs> Pampal, she's a sucker for dogs and orphans. And here we had basically an orphan dog, orphan dogs. So yeah. <laughs> you, you know I'm going to love it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's right there. Yeah. Um, what else do we have on the menu? We've got, what do you want to talk about next? You want to talk about Jules or the adults? Well, why don't we talk about Jules and then we'll each deal with one that uh, the other hasn't seen. I know you really like Jules. I do. Uh, the more I, I think did. about it, the more I'm liking it too. Really? Okay, that's that's nice to hear. Um, this is a this is a sweet little indie movie and I compared it to E.T., everyone's favorite from you yeah. know decades gone by. And this really is a version of E.T., but it's E.T., instead of having three kids, we got three old people banding together after a spaceship crash lands in Milton, played by Ben Kingsley, um, in his backyard. Um, ben Kingsley character of Milton has some issues. It sounds like he's in the beginning stages of dementia. And he lives in a small town in, in Western Pennsylvania, and it does look like Western Pennsylvania. Um, and he goes to the town council meeting every single week. And he says the same thing, the same complaints every single week. But one week at the end of his complaint, his rant, his series of rants, he talks about an alien crash landing in his azalea garden. He's quite upset about that. And then he turns around and he walks away. Everyone thinks he's totally lost his marbles, that that can't be true, except for two people. And the two people are Jane Curtis's character and Harriet Harris's character. That would be Joyce and Sandy. They end up befriending him a little bit more closely than they have in the past. And they find that there really is an alien and they name the alien Jules. And they realize through different symbolisms and gestures that Jules is trying to find a way home and he has to find a very unique power source. Um, the three get together and help <laughs> Jules find a way home. Um, I, I loved this because it's all about being compassionate and not judging other people. Um, not judging people on, on how they sound or how they look and realizing that no matter what stage of life you're in and how old you are, you still need to feel like you are purposeful, that you have meaning in life. Um, I just found this to be a very sweet and charming film that I was rooting for Jules to get home and I was rooting for the three to stay together 
or maybe, you know, something else might happen to them. And I like that I didn't know exactly how it was going to end. So I really enjoyed this. It was playing in theaters now. Yeah, I liked it too. I liked it. The thing I liked about it most is how quiet it is. This is a quiet movie. I mean, it's not, you know, you say aliens and spaceships and you're expecting, you know, a big production, but it's very, it's a quiet, intimate movie. And I like what you had said. You had made a comment earlier about uh, compassion. Yes. And that's really what the film is about. You know, old people, once they get to a certain age and I'm going to be there soon, you know, you're not looked in the same way. You're, you're brushed aside. You know, he's old. What does he know? Uh, you know, and, and still, you know, still have a lot to give, a lot of experience to give, a lot of uh, of love to give. And these three have no one to give it to except this creature that just happens to show up. Um, so yeah, it was really sweet. And I like that it didn't beat you over the head with its message. Right, right. And that last image, I'm not going to shake for a while. That last scene I thought was was very beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. And again, done done very subtly. Very subtly, but it's, and that's all you needed. So yeah, this is definitely one to, to to seek out, and definitely one that's you know not the usual thing. So so give it a chance, Jules. Uh, you had spoken about we, you've seen a couple of movies that I haven't. Which one do you want to talk about? And you have two. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the good one first, the surprising one. Um, there's a movie on Netflix. It was produced by um, <laughs> Universal. That's why I didn't know what you. Were and talking I don't about. know why. What? That's why I didn't know what uh, you were talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's called The River Wild, and it's oh. not to be confused with um, the Meryl Streep film from 94. That's what I, I thought it was a re-release of that film, which is why I didn't request it. I did not realize that that's confusing. It is confusing, and I don't know why they go with this title, because it has very little to do with the original. Very little other than the fact that it takes place on a, on, on a wild river. I mean, other than that, there really is nothing similar to it. Okay, so, but it is a remake of that movie? No, it no, is not. not at all. Oh. That's what I mean. I don't know why they called it this. Okay. Because okay. it is it, leading towards confusion. Uh, it runs a crisp, quick 90 minutes, which is good. And I'll tell you, um, Leighton, uh, Leighton Meester, I think is her name. Leighton Meister, Leighton Meester, young actress. She's done a lot of TV. Don't know much about her. I was really impressed with her here. She really holds the th whole thing together. Plays a young woman named Joey. Uh, she's in a relationship. She's not too sure about The guy's kind of pressuring her to make a commitment. She doesn't want to. So she gets away from the city. She goes out. Her brother, uh, Gray, of all things, this is his name, Gray, not Gary. Boy, that played havoc with spell check as I was writing this. Uh, played by Taryn Killam. Uh, he owns one of these whitewater rafting expeditions. So she goes and she tags along on one of these trips. And also tagging along is this guy named Trevor. Trevor is Gray's best friend. And Trevor just ain't right, as they would say. There's something wrong with him. And as we get into this trip, we really discover just how troubled this young man is. And it's a small trip. They're just taking two young ladies uh down the river uh one of them is named van played by eve conley the other is carissa uh, played by olivia swan it's just gonna be a quick trip well that is until van ends up cracking open her skull and we get implications that she was trying to get away from trevor who was attempting to sexually assault her oh no this triggers joey 
because we then later find out that they had an appropriate, inappropriate relationship while she was a teenager. She never really knew how to deal with it. Uh, the dynamic was different. Being young, she thought what was happening was normal. And only later did she realize that this was a toxic relationship. And that's why she is shut down. She's no good with relationships, anything like that. Wow. Well, in order to get uh, this young lady help, the quickest way is down the river. So in they go into the boat. And before you know it, things get really, really complicated. Trevor panics at one point, kills a park ranger. And his deal is, well, the only way out of this, because then we find out that he was an ex, he's an ex-con, he wants to get to Canada and then take off. And so they are all held hostage as we go on our way. Um, this was a surprising movie. Uh, like I say, I really had no idea where it was going. It's quickly told. And this Meester girl, boy, she's really good because once this attack happens, you see her unravel. You see her unravel, but then pull it together because really this is all about this young woman dealing with something that she's repressed basically and she comes to realize that she can't deal with, if she can't deal with this she's not going to move on now unfortunately the screenwriter makes her a complete idiot in the third act she does two things that she would never do she's smart for an hour and then all of a sudden she takes stupid pills and the last half hour she does two really dumb things that i was screaming at the tv about because the actress deserves better and we deserve better than these two stupid incidents that occur just to keep the plot moving. However, I didn't let that ruin it. It was enough good stuff here. Uh, I got to tell you the truth, it's a movie I wish I had seen in the theater. Okay. I wish it hadn't been dumped uh, on Netflix because uh, they were there. Apparently, they filmed the film in Bulgaria. Oh. It, it wasn't in America or you know the Northwest, which is what it looks like. But I read these films up there. You can't tell the difference. Uh, so if you're sitting at home, got 90 minutes, Netflix, River Wild, you could do much, much worse. You know, I remember um, Leighton Meester from the movie Country Strong with Gwyneth Paltrow. Do you remember that one at all? I do. That was a movie that shocked me with its ending. And I think she was on a television show. I'm not to say she was like on Gossip Girl or something. I think so. I think you're right. Um, and she she has stuck in my head. Garrett Hedlund also, I think, is a really great actor and, and has an amazing voice, both talking and singing. So and I believe Leighton Meester also sings. Yeah, she, uh, she was in Gossip Girl. OK. And Garrett Hedlund, I saw over the weekend. You he did? Was comic, he was at the comic book convention in Chicago. Oh, my God. You lucky oh duck. I didn't talk to him or anything. I just walked by. But. Yeah, I, I I I was thinking of you as I walked by. I'm like, yeah, there's a Pam favorite right over yeah, there. Yeah, there's a Pam favorite. Oh, you okay. should have stopped by and said Pam said hi. Oh, and what would he have said? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'll I'll give her a call later, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's so cool. You I had one. You had a film called The Adults. Yeah. That um, I gave up on because I didn't want to waste 15 minutes of my life trying to log in and find it. It was frustrating for me to log into, which is why I gave you the heads up that it's going to be frustrating to get log into. Remember what I was just saying about technology? Remember yes. That was, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There, there are certain companies, studios now, they're like, oh, I like that one because I know I can just click and play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you go, you go to the top of the list of what I'm watching. Truly, it does. It does. Mm -hmm. um, but this one's called The Adults, and it's written and directed by a guy named Dustin Guy Defa, who... I don't know him from anything. You're what, Hurt? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, he's done a bunch of short films and I think maybe some TV, if I recall correctly. Um, it's a film about three siblings who reunite um, when the brother Eric, played by Michael Sarah, who who's an odd duck, and he usually plays an odd duck, which is quite apropos. Um, he returns home, and the three Maggie, played by Sophia Lillis, and Rachel, played by Hannah Gross. Um, all reunite to try and figure out where they are in their relationships. They obviously have a lot of issues with one another because the mother has recently passed away. And you get this feeling like mom was the glue that, that made them all stick together. Now that mom is gone, they've broken apart. They hold resentments toward Eric because Eric never comes home. This is gorgeously shot in the Hudson River Valley. I recognize my, my old hometown, which was kind of fun to see in, in near Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, it's bad when I start focusing on that kind of stuff because that means that I'm not paying attention not to watching. the movie, which yeah. is a very big key here because this drags. It, the pacing gets lost because it doesn't really know where it's going. Um, you have this fly in the wall feel to the to the film, which is can be kind of cool, but what we're watching is every bit of minutia happening in their lives as they are trying to reconnect. Um, too much minutia. I don't need to have real time in a movie um, unless it's a documentary and we're following somebody and this is not. Um, Eric it stays in town only because he's a gambler, I guess, and gets hooked into this poker game that has been going on in his hometown for eons and he needs to win. He doesn't really want to work out his issues with his sister. He really wants to play the poker game, but he plays the poker game and then he has to kind of confront his issues that he has with his sisters. Um, it's weird. The, they don't know how to grow up. They still are acting like children when the three of them get together. So they have a lot of baggage. What that baggage is, we're not quite sure. They do have some meaningful conversations, but they have some really childlike conversations where they make noises at each other. So, so the, so the title is ironic? Yes, very ironic. Okay. <laughs> there are no adults in this movie. Um, you know, it's, it, it had potential. It really did. I mean, I don't know about you, Chuck, you grew up where I live now, which is kind of funny. Um, how do you feel when you come home to the Kankakee area? I know when I go back to Mayville, New York, I feel like I'm a 16 year old again, and that in a good way. So there are those issues when we return home, we yeah. to the person that we identified with back in the day. And that's still somewhere within us, but you know, we've grown and changed since then and become different people. So I think it had a great premise. I think it had a lot of the, the foundation was there, but the, it was just too messy and disjointed at times. And it just didn't really, it wasn't cohesive enough to be a true story. I didn't feel like anybody had a narrative arc a personality arc, any kind of development to say we went from point A to point Z and the rest of the alphabet was a lot of fun to see. Well, I'm glad I gave up on it though. Yes, I, I think that you would have <laughs> been bored to tears with it. <laughs> yeah, when I started saying, oh, that looks like Hudson, the Hudson River. Let me look this up. That's not a good sign that I'm doing that. No, never, never. Um, what's the one that you saw? You saw something else. The uh, the, the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yes. Now I really yeah. want to see that. Believe it or not, how was it? It stunk. Oh, okay. Glad I did. It stunk. It stunk. stunk. Look. Well, you know, if you've read Dracula or seen any Dracula movie, you know how this one ends. 
you know, this takes place at the midway point in Dracula when Dracula has decided he's going to England. He loads up all these coffins full of dirt on the ship, the Demeter. And then we see about a week later, the Demeter drifting into the harbor. Everyone's dead. The dog, which is now Dracula, bounds off and away we go. We know how this movie's going to end. So, yes. Wait, wait, wait. The dog is Dracula? You never, okay. He turns into a dog and he gets, yeah, he can do that. Yeah, he can do anything. He's Dracula. Yeah, he's turned into a bat. No, when you when you read the book, and I think in the Frank Langella version as well, he's a dog. And when you read the book, there's a newspaper account of the dog running away and people being worried about the dog and wanting to catch the dog and take care of the dog. They don't realize that this is him getting out of it. Okay, okay, interesting. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I see dog, see? I mentioned the word dog to see how she perked up. I did, yeah. didn't I? Dog, dog. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're, you're painting yourself into a corner from the beginning if you know how this is going to end. Um, so that's the setup. Dracula has got all these boxes on board. Uh, we're, ship- we're shipping out, and suddenly the crew starts being picked off one at a time. This movie wants to be alien. Okay, that's what it wants to be. Uh, but it just never succeeds, primarily because the way this thing is directed. You never really get a good look at Dracula, okay? Which is fine if you handle it properly. But if you've got that character in the middle of the action at times, and you can't tell what's going on, you know, it's that action where you see emotion and then the camera moves and then it cuts and then emotion and the camera, you know, it's, it's, it's confusion. It's not action, it's confusion. And that's what it was every time there was attack, an attack. In Alien, every time there was an attack, you knew it was happening. And that raised the stakes. It raises the tension. Here, it's like, really? You're frustrating me. I can't see what's going on. And also, they added some characters that made no sense whatsoever. I understand that they're going to add things. But suddenly, there's a woman on board. There's not a woman on board in the book. And the reason for her being on board makes no sense whatsoever. They find her. She falls out of one of the coffins of dirt. And she says later that Dracula is feeding on her brought her along to feed on her across the ocean. I'm like, wait a second. You're not going to last the entire ocean, okay? He's not just going to bring you. He's going to bring a bunch of people. And he's not going to bring a bunch of people because there's going to be people on board. It made no sense. It was like, we need to squeeze a woman into this story somehow. This is how we'll do it. Doesn't fly. Doesn't fly. This is so frustrating. You know, the Universal, which is the home of the great Universal monster films in the 30s. This was a Universal production, and they botched it again. So, uh, and it's funny. This bombed at the box office. Only seven million the opening weekend. Uh, so, yeah, it people didn't go for it. And it's a shame because it looks great. It's a great looking film. The ship is great. Uh, the period details are great. I mean, it it, it it's a handsome production. And when I found out it only cost $45 million, I couldn't believe it. Because really? it looks like a much more expensive film. Okay. Uh, our buddy Jeffrey York liked it for some odd reason. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, well, I'll have to take a look at his review and then call him out on it next time I see him. Yeah, say, yeah, say what the hell are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, skip the Demeter. Skip okay. the Demeter. All right. Let's real quickly just touch on Heart of Stone, which is also on Netflix. That's the movie I thought you were going to talk about when you talked about The River Wild. So, ah, okay. You liked this one. I didn't. I agree. Opposite ends of the spectrum on this one. So real. And quickly, I understand. 
I understand exactly why you didn't like it. I'm not going to argue with you. I get it. Tell me why you liked it then, because I was bored. Uh, primarily because of her. Okay. Uh, she she has enough magnetism for me that I, I I I can overlook some stuff. I thought the whole concept of the artificial intelligence was pretty cool. Uh, the way the guy was in the room, it's got this massive artificial intelligence thing, and it puts up these displays that can be manipulated yeah. and displays of where the action is taking place, and they can predict what's going to happen by using probability. Uh, um, uh, equations. I thought that was pretty clever. Okay. Uh, the film, the film is flawed. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, this is I'm, this is not a hill I'm going to die on by any stretch. Right. Uh, but I love her. Also, uh, one of our guys from Belfast was in it, Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Love him. Nice little twist with his character. Yes. And Did not see that coming. I didn't either. And I got to tell you, I didn't recognize him at first because I didn't hear that beautiful Irish lilt. Um, right. Yeah, that's gone. Yeah, that was gone for, for most of it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I was surprised. I actually liked his character. I thought he was one of the standout yeah. characters, to be honest with you. He was he was truly menacing. And I don't think of Jamie Dornan as being a menacing character, you know? Right. And even though he was menacing, you understood why he was doing what he was doing. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, which always helps. Uh, again, you know, um, Netflix seems to be trying to carve its way out as the home of action films, I've noticed now. Uh, uh, they've got, uh, there was that one film with The Rock, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds, Red Notice. Yes. Uh, they're going to make a sequel to that. Uh, Extraction with Hemsworth. I mean, that's become a mini franchise. I think they want to do the same with this. Obviously, the whole setup is there. Right. Uh, whether they, Oh, and Ryan Gosling's film, The Gray Man. Right. They're going to make another one of those as well. So, you know, they're trying to become the action, you know, go-to place. And more times than not, they get it right. Again, this one's just okay. If they do another one, I hope it's better. I hope so, too, because, you know, I love Gal Gadot, too. I mean, she she has this magnetism, as you stated. Yeah. I just think she deserved better than this. And I think she's capable of so much more. I, I think I expected more out of an action flick because she was in it. And she was so flatlined throughout the entire thing that disappointed me. I, I can I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, real quickly before we wrap up, we're running out of time here. I did want to just mention, you know, I don't know about you, Chuck, but I'm old. You're a little younger than me. But back in the day, we used to get excited when summer was over because fall TV was coming. And did you, did you get the TV guide at your oh, house? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the fall TV guide was huge. It was yeah, huge. It was. Yeah. It was, and I would get my pencil out and I would dog ear the pages and I would circle when mm -hmm. things were going to be on and what I was excited about. Yeah, and you know what? Things have changed with streaming, but there's also a fall season for streaming as well. And there are five things that I want to put on everybody's list. Um, season three of Only Murders in the Building has already started. Are you up to date on that one? Yes, it is great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, I have only watched the first two episodes. I think the third <laughs> one is out now. Um, the first, I got to tell you, the first episode I thought was kind of slow. The second uh -huh. episode got better and I'm hoping number three is even better. It, there was a lot of setup in the first one. 
and it's starting to pay off. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Um, also, and I know that you are not interested in this one at all, but it's season five, part one of Virgin River, and that begins on September 7th. And I don't, I think I might be under embargo, so I can't say anything more. Mm. <gasps> I know. Part Heaven's two. Yeah. They, uh, I think they're going to air like eight or 10, 10, I think 10 episodes um, beginning September 7th, but then you have to wait to find out the answers to all these crazy things that might happen. That, that is cruel. That it is. is just cruel. Part two with the remaining two episodes will air on Thursday, November 30th. Now, wait a second. Yeah. They're going to make you wait for only two episodes? Yeah. That's stupid. No, it's not. Okay. All right. <laughs> You'll have you to trust so. me on that one. <laughs> okay. Whatever you um, say. The other one, and I know that I can't say anything about this one for another at least month other than Lessons in Chemistry starring Brie Larson. It's based on the book of the same name. It's about a chemist who turns into a cooking show star and that premieres Friday, October 13th, um, and that starts in remaining seven episodes. will drop each Friday through November. Um, real quickly, we've got Animal Control. Hopefully, we'll be coming out in late September or late in 2023. Um, Netflix's Emily in Paris. I'm sure you're right on top of all the fashion trends mm -hmm. in Paris, right, Chuck? Season that four is on its way. And then Abbott Elementary, which is a favorite of mine. Season three is going to start in September. But wait, wait, it was supposed to start in September, but with the writer's strike, we don't know when it's going to start. So yes, question. And I'm going to mention one yes. that's coming out before the end of the year, Monarch on Apple TV. It stars Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell. Ooh. And Monarch, oh, don't get excited. Monarch is the universe, the monsterverse that includes Godzilla, King Kong, and all those creatures. And apparently, Wyatt Russell is going to play the younger version of the character. His father is going to play him present day. And there's going to be a big secret and a revelation of how King Kong, Godzilla, Mothra, Ghidra, all those things tied together and it will be on apple at least the first images the other day it looks great fantastic well i so will watch you that. can watch that and i'll watch emily in paris and you watch emily in paris i'll watch godzilla i think the other way around i'll i'll watch the godzilla you you watch emily in paris <laughs> mm, i don't think so looks like emily's going unwatched <laughs> all right chuck thank you everyone for watching and or listening to real talk with chuck and pam please share um again thank you for all your comments and for sticking with us we really appreciate it thank you so much and we've got uh, more news coming up next week